Hello, and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Carrie. And I'm Tanya. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. And this is episode number 56. Today, we're focusing on planning in a Kodai-inspired classroom. We'll also share highs and lows from our teaching week, a work smarter, not harder teacher tip. And in our Coda section, we'll give you some specific recommendations of our favorite things in and out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. So it's time to talk about some highs and lows in the music room yes. from our teaching week. We're a full week back from winter break. Yes. And what a full week it was. It was a full week, <laughs> like every day, Yeah, Monday was, through Friday. It was a long there week. There were students in my room. But we made it. We survived. We did. Yeah. Uh, Tanya, yes. would you like to share first? Yeah, I'm going to be, um, okay, I, I would like to share a high. Okay. And this is honestly something that I was, I was really patting myself on the back for, and it's not a specific high of something that happened in the classroom, but it resulted in really awesome, positive interactions in the classroom. Sweet. Okay. So I just... This is also kind of like half recommendation. Okay. So I've been doing um, the Yoga with Adrian 30-Day Challenge yeah. every morning. Um, and I've done some of, and that, and she's on YouTube, and, and it's absolutely free, which is awesome. Uh, so I've been getting up earlier. I've been really trying to make sure I go to bed earlier to make sure all this happens. And I just have to say that even though I'm already doing meditation every day, that just doing the yoga each morning, I have really noticed that my ability to regulate my patience has increased a lot. Oh, that's awesome. Because I keep looking back on the week and I keep thinking, wow, things are going more smoothly than I anticipated for a week back. Yeah. Just as history has shown. Sure. And I think it points back to I've been a lot more patient with some of these things. I, I don't think the kids are... Are, are better behaved necessarily than in years past for this week back. Mm-hmm. But I think my patience and my ability to like, you know, move on and, and not fester in that negative space when, when a student or two students are acting inappropriately, I think that has been directly related to the extra time I've been taking doing yoga in the morning. So That's awesome. Take that for whatever it is. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm not going to think no, about I'm it too sure hard anymore. You're right. um, so that's been a very big success this week. Is that's that like awesome. oh, much more? You know, wow. Before these behaviors that are happening right now, I would have had to really, really work hard to, you know, take that's it all in. Very anyway, cool. So I that was it. it. And what? What about you? Oh, I just want to share a high that um, I have a student teacher in my classroom Yay. for the next, well, now seven weeks. His name is Brian. He's from Colorado State University. Shout and out to Brian. Yeah, I don't know if he ever listens to this, well, but that's Well, now fine. he has to. He listens to me all day long. He <laughs> doesn't want to like, listen to me anymore. Want to go home and listen to you, too? No, I've heard your voice enough today. <laughs> no, Brian is amazing, and he's really gone already above and beyond, even though this is technically Okay, well, can I just week. say, I mean, I don't know Brian. Yeah. But I have to say, the quality of Colorado State University's music yes. education program, yes. which we can directly attribute to Dr. Bonnie Jacoby. Shout out, Dr. Jacoby. Yeah, that totally. I think that that is. Yes. She really sets up 
her people because I haven't had student teachers, but I've had just people observing. Yeah. And they, even those interactions are so professional. Yeah, because I've had several people from different universities, and I yeah. have to say, in the last few years, the CSU students stand out. Yeah, super impressive. And that was when when Brian asked if he would student teach with me. I knew immediately. Yes, because in our interactions already, he knew so much about what a Kodai-inspired classroom should look like. And he, he wanted knew, that. Yes, he, he's ready to embrace what my students are already doing, but hopefully insert his own style, which he's already doing. Um, anyways, and he taught his first like set of classes on Friday. Already? We ha- yeah, well, we have, you know, this gradual release schedule set up where... A fast gradual he, Yeah, well, he was ready for it. So Good. he observed me teach a particular sixth grade lesson on Thursday, and then he taught that lesson on Friday. based So my plans, but his teaching kind of right, thing. Right, of course. Um, and, you know, the next week he will be writing his own plans for sixth grade, and then we'll start doing the same thing with fifth. And, you yes, know, yes. He chose to start with sixth and, and move his way down, which is quite a popular choice. I've Notice with student teachers. Everyone's scared of those kindergartners. Not oh, scared. Yeah. It just takes a different level of energy. Anyways, all that to say, it was so nice just to sit and watch. <laughs> I love doing that. I just absolutely love it. Yeah. And just seeing him shine. And my students, I was so proud of them. They were very respectful. They embraced him right away. They, he has a very warm personality. They responded to it well. I think it's different because I've never had a male student teacher. Oh, so watching yeah. their, their um, interaction with him, especially vocally, it was interesting. Right. Some of them struggled with matching. So pitch how are right you? Away. I know we've talked about this, but for anyone who hasn't <clears throat> heard, so how are you instructing him? Well, versus... yeah, he asked me if he should use his falsetto, and you know I've heard varying things from different male music educators, and seems like most who I talk to now say no, you should sing in your your normal octave, and kids will learn to adjust. Well, my kids did not adjust right away. Well, you do have to talk them through that, and you that's what I told him. I said next in. time, why don't you talk them through it? Because we just he just said I'm just gonna. Try it. We'll see how it goes. You know, it's yeah. always trial and error. Well, yeah. um, and then I also said, well, maybe the first time you sing or prep them or set a pitch or whatever, you do the first round in your falsetto and then you drop down the octave after you've talked them through. And the he whole can thing. even use a piano. And yeah. and I'm speaking from experience because um, th- last fall when I lost my voice and I lost, well, I didn't lose my voice. I my thyroid was removed, and I lost my upper range, and I couldn't sing above a middle E. Right. Um, I did, a, like, a walkthrough with, with kids because yeah. I, I had a small range, and I could sing lower but yeah. not higher. And so I, I had to use the piano, yeah. and I used a recorder. And I said, so you're, you're used to hearing me here, and you're used to singing here, and now I'm here, you know, yeah. and then you're there. But it also brings up a whole set of issues because it's sixth grade. They don't match pitch as well as some of my other kids because I've only had them since third grade, which you'd think by now they'd be matching pitch yeah, better. But, but what that's happens still, in kindergarten? It, it first was hard grade, to get them. Huge. Yes. Also, I have quite a few whose voices now have changed voice. And yeah. so some of them were actually matching pitch at the lower octave, which was nice. And then you just let them. Exactly. But then my <laughs> girls and some of my other boys were kind of like, oh, floundering. Anyway. That's very detailed. They'll get used to but it. But I'm just, I'm just excited. You know, having a student teacher really forces me to get my act together, which kind of led to our topic of today. Mm-hmm. And just really having some good, solid things, not just in my brain, but written down for someone else. Exactly. It's a whole different thing. So yes. anyways, I'm really excited about my student teacher. That's it's going to awesome. be awesome.
Okay, and on to our main theme, which is planning in a Kodai-inspired classroom. And the reason we say Kodai-inspired is because we understand that in different music education philosophies, there are priorities that are above some of the things that might be in a Kodai-inspired classroom. Yes. And so um, that's, doesn't, that's not to say that if you are more orph-inclined, you can't get a lot out of this. Right. It's just a little you know, caveat that we want to make sure that we are very uh, much coming at it from a Kodai-inspired... Yeah. This is our area of expertise. This is our area of expertise. <laughs> and while both of us like to learn and dabble in other methodologies, mm-hmm. almost everything... Well, not everything I do is through a Kodai context. Yeah. So I know that it's a very, and we're not going to go there and buy a big philosophical talk about this. <laughs> you want to come and buy me a drink at Oak, I'll tell you all about it because <laughs> yeah. I've been known to tell all about it. But um, while the eclectic approach is uh, very popular these days as far as like I do some Kodai and I do some Orph and I do some Delcros, uh, Carrie and I are pretty much of the same mindset that you need to have a framework of one thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I might do an ORF, something I got in an ORF workshop, but it's going to be through that Kodai lens. Right, Right. it's going to be within this structure that we're about to talk through. Yeah. And also, shout out to um, a couple of folks who were listening and watching our our Instagram and Facebook Live video that we did um, a couple weeks ago where we shared our 20 for 2020 because that was the biggest question that came up was planning. I need tips for planning. And And this is huge. And, you know, we said it in the the video. It is a huge thing. So, yes, while we attempted to break this down and we're going to go through it, we just, you're going to hear us say it a few times, so we'll say it now a lot of what we're going to talk about makes so much more sense when you have time to really get into it during Kodai levels training yes and if you haven't taken Kodai levels training that's okay we we still want you to understand you can go through this process on your own it's not like you can't touch it and can't start it but there's just something to be said obviously we believe very strongly in the value of taking your Kodai levels because you go through these steps in so much more depth and take so much more time and you walk out of your levels with a song collection and lots of these steps are already started right so take what we're saying with a grain of salt try some of this stuff out on your own but right. if you haven't taken levels yet just know that if you do take levels yeah. it comes and more. and i don't know what kind of learner you the listener are yeah. but i can say confidently that had i not had my kodai levels i would be a much different teacher yes even with all the resources that we have through blogs and uh, podcasts and i know there's some music membership things that other music teachers have set up even with all of that stuff, I think that for me, my best learning happened in my levels. Oh, hands down. Because, you know, I mean, it also helped that it was a graduate program. Exactly, right? yeah. But being in a, a physical room with like-minded people and going through all of these steps made was life-changing. Totally. Life-changing, totally. not just in my music teaching, but in my, my life. Because, yeah. like, you know. So we're going to breeze through in hopefully less than an hour what one would get in a two to three week master's level course. Yes, we're going to give you in a a nutshell. Also know that our show notes, we will have all of these steps that we're Mm -hmm. talking about. We will have them all listed and Carrie created a fantastic document. Well, and I did this for my student teacher just to kind of give him a snapshot of how I plan. So when somebody asked, well, how do you plan? I thought, well, hey, I've already got this thing prepared. So let's talk through it. Let's go. All right, here we go. So step one for me, I think probably for you too, Tanya, you can chime in, is to create that 
one page snapshot your overall curriculum for all the grades you teach. So yes. for me, it's K through six. Tanya also gets some seventh and eighth graders in her middle school situation. And when I create this curriculum, what I'm doing is not necessarily creating specifically for this specific year. This is kind of the ideal, what I want to teach, what I want my students to know between kinder and sixth grade before they leave me for middle school. And in our district, we're very fortunate that we've got a very solid curriculum. Yeah. One of the pieces that I know a lot of music teachers in our district love is something called a year at a glance. Yes. And it's broken up monthly mm-hmm. um, because I think some some schools are on trimesters and some are on semesters. Yeah. I'm not sure how that works. But it just says, like, uh, in February, you're probably doing these right. concepts and right. these skills, right? Yeah. So that year at a glance is something that I go back and refer to because it's a district document. Sure. Um, all the time. So it can be as simple as that. Yeah. Well, and for mine, when I'm talking about here, it's not even breaking down the year. It's just in that in oh, a just year, like a big chunk. It's just a big chunk, and we'll we'll link to mine too because it's just a one page document, and it mm-hmm. divides it up. What am I going to teach each grade rhythmically, melodically, and all those? And other I am stuff visually thinking like I'm I'm in my brain American methodology, the big old book exactly with the with the blue spiral yep. popped up. Yes, and that's what is happening in that book as they go fifth grade. Here are some things. Yeah, you got to start with big. And then it is also helpful, I think, then to create a second version of that document for this specific year, especially if you got some older beginner, if you're new to a school, mm-hmm. if your kids are behind or ahead, bless right. you. You know, then, oh, well, normally I teach, you know, Ray in second grade, but I know last year I didn't get to it. So in this year's overall curriculum, I'm going to put Ray in third grade. Exactly. So that's where you can be specific to your one. And it can be something that you taught, but it didn't stick like you thought. And yeah, I, so you my to specific it. example is fifth grade at the beginning of this year. I started reviewing Cinco Pa, eighth quarter, eighth, and they were like, what? Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I mean, they were like, I remember this, but and so clearly, we Kinda didn't have. It. Yeah, and and that's a challenging concept. So yeah. that became like, okay, here's rhythm number one yeah. that we're doing in fifth grade. Totally. So that to me is step one. Just a one. I like to get it on one page if I can. Just a snapshot of everything you're going to teach every grade. Overall curriculum. Yes. Yes. And then step two is then to start creating those concept plans for each of those concepts. Yes. Now, again, this is a big chunk that you learn to do in Kodai Levels. The idea behind a concept plan is that it's basically a unit plan for a specific concept. It's not basically bound to any sort of set of time within your school year. It's At this point, you're not saying in October. You're just saying, when I teach Tikka Tikka, here are the songs that I'm going to use to teach Tikka Tikka in that preparation stage. Here's the song and the activity I'm going to use to present it, where they see the notation and they, they, they interact with it and know what it is. And then here are all the songs and activities I'm going to do to practice that concept. Right. Um, and, and, you know, one might argue that, you know, there's kind of two steps that go together here. You also are probably simultaneously starting to do your folk song collection and collecting all the songs and materials. Right. Some might say that the songs and materials should drive the concept plan. But it kind of goes back and forth for me. It goes both ways. Yeah. Well, and also refreshing one's concept plan is extremely important. Oh, yes. Um, I know I did a big refresh just in the last couple of years Yeah. because of some of those songs that we, you know, should have known. But yes. now for sure know that we're not going to use. Yes. And we've talked about 
specific concepts and how we really need to find better songs, Mm -hmm. right? Because they are there. Also, you want to, and I know you wanted to talk about this later on, but looking at your population, yes. do you want to make sure you're including some songs in Spanish exactly. because of your, you know, second language, English as second language learners? Um, yeah, so there's a lot to take into account. Uh, it's important not to get overwhelmed. Yeah. If it's you're in a place where you're like, I just want three songs that are good for, like you said, Tikka Tikka. Uh-huh. There are Places that you can go. Yes. And one of those places is the Holy Names University Folk Song Collection. Yes. That you can actually use a drop-down menu mm-hmm. and you, you can, can go, filter. here's Ticka Ticka, and then up pop a list of songs, right? Totally. Some of them you'd be like, you could say, this would be awesome. Kids will love this one. Others uh, you can say, um, this is not going to work with my yeah. kids or whatever. And that's not the only place to look for things. Right. Um, a lot of, boy, so many music teachers with, with blogs and things have excellent um, ideas for using one song and taking it into the game mm-hmm. and then extended literacy activities. Um, and we got to shout out uh, our friend Amy because she has a backlog of so many wonderful ideas oh, yeah. for specific songs. And you so, can search on her blog by concept, yes, too. I'm pretty yes, sure can. last so, time I checked. Um, we trust Amy. Oh, Amy, yeah. Amy knows her stuff. <laughs> um, so that's, you know, yeah. just one more place that you can go. Totally. We yeah. mentioned American Methodology earlier. American Methodology is an excellent resource. It can be really overwhelming if you don't know exactly what you're looking at. But basically, American Methodology is a giant book of concept plans. I mean, that's really what it is. Yeah. That um, It's kind of a, a snapshot. Well, it's kind of a, um, what do I want to say, uh, uh, not as detailed um concept plan. It's right. kind of like a, a yeah, it outline. Gives you, yeah, exactly. But at least it kind of gives you an idea of the types of activities you could be doing mm-hmm. for each concept. And yes, there is some songs. Um, there are some songs in the appendix in the back and then it also lists a lot of other resources right. you can go to to find songs. So that would just be another yeah, one but to You know what? At. Before you rush out and buy American Methodology, if you don't already have it, I really want to stress that that book makes so much more sense and is so much more user-friendly once you've had some levels training. Totally, yes. So I when agree. I'm approached by music teachers who say, you know, I can't do my levels training yet, and what should I what should I use? Mm-hmm. I, I don't mention American yeah. methodology as something to buy first. Right. I would steer people more towards uh, Susan Brumfield's First We Sing right. volumes. That was going to be the next recommendation. More detailed. Yeah, because um, yeah, with American methodology, you don't... I didn't really know what I was looking at Yeah. until I had some levels training. Exactly. And, I mean, I had level three with Ann Eisen, one of the right. co-authors, so I felt like I got a really deep dive you into... Really so, I mean, dive. not only I mean, do I understand exactly what they're getting at when I look at their little bullet points, but I can also hear her voice in my head <laughs> saying it. So, But, yeah, I mean, have it, have it there, but just know that if you open it and you're like, I don't know what's going on, then go ahead and close that resource for now. <laughs> Come back to it later. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot of money to spend on a book that you're kind of not... It is. I, I agree. But I do just like that, you know, you can open the chunk of the book that says, keep saying it, ticka ticka, and yeah. you can see, and you here can are say, the songs okay, here's that the song, are, here's the song. we recommend, and here are some examples of activities. Yeah, and here's, and try this. You go to that section, it says ticka ticka, it says, um, I don't know, in and out the dusty bluebells, mm-hmm. which maybe you would find, and then see if you can find it on somebody's blog exactly. that you respect. 
Um, I've also got a backlog of songs yeah, with yeah. specific activities. Todd's Some, got a blog. I, I do <laughs> have a blog. Our show That's where we put our show notes. Maybe yeah. one day we'll have a separate blog yeah, for that. we're talking about that. We're talking. Um, so the idea of the concept plan is this really just becomes your activity bank. These are all of the songs and activities you can use to teach a certain concept. Right. So when it's time to sit down and write those lesson plans, you open up those concept plans and you pull things from right. the concept plan to create so, those. Okay, as far as concept plans, I don't know if this is the right time to mention this. Okay. A concept plan is not something that you teach in one class or even two classes. Exactly, yes. It's not as though you go, today... We're going to do Ray. all these We're all yeah. Ray today, kids and second graders. By the time you walk out of this room, you will know all yeah. about Ray. Or by the end of next week, you will know all about Ray. Yeah. Well, maybe they will if you have them every day. Well, that's what it is. It depends. I mean, we can give you kind of a sample timeline of, I mean, based on I see my kids every three days. Um, I'm generally preparing a concept in those preparation stages mm-hmm. of that concept plan for about three weeks. Yeah. And then and it depends on the, the presentation concept, of the concept takes just a meta moment in a lesson. And then you're practicing, practicing, practicing right. forever. Um, and we'll talk about this in a minute, how we layer then those concepts on top right and when we get to lesson planning talk about specific lessons is exactly what we'll talk about pulling from different concept plans but let's go on go on to step step three three. which i've already kind of alluded to so step three in my little handy dandy guide is um then gather your folk songs and materials to support your concept plans uh you can create grade level song lists at this time that could be helpful but then also keep in mind that not every song you teach has to attach to a concept exactly we get stuck in that mode and i think that's kind of a a perception of code inspired classrooms that in first grade we're only going to sing songs that have so many law in them. No, absolutely not. Your children should be experiencing a wide variety of songs. And that's why having a song list separate from a concept plan is really helpful. Like, I know I'm going to do the Rattlin' Bog with first grade like in February, March, like every year. And for no specific reason other than it's a great song, they yeah. love to sing it, I bring out my guitar. Right. I'm like, there's a few of those for every grade level oh, totally. that they we just sing it. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's they just listen to either me perform it or, um, you know, a listening of the song mm-hmm. just because we need to always be introducing them to quality music, right? Right. And if you're wanting to have those, you know, ORF-type experiences where you're creating ORF ensembles, I mean, great. Go for it. Not right. everything you do has to be attached to that Kodai concept. Yeah, so that's Could why it's... Could be something you're using for dynamics or tempo or a listening thing that you tie into a listening example or it could be a cultural relevance for your students. You're pulling in more songs from Venezuela because you have a strong Venezuelan population. Yes. Those songs might necessarily go well with what concepts you have in that grade, but who cares? You're making connections to right. students and making connections around the world. And something that, um, speaking of concept plans and song lists and all of that, uh, being a teacher who is older... This is something that I haven't done electronically as much. I have a lot of hard copy stuff. Right. And even the stuff that I have electronically, they are documents that live on my computer or live in a thumb drive. And I haven't. And I know that so many of the newer teachers are awesome about putting things in like a specific uh, plan. Like I don't haven't used plan book, but I keep hearing about it. Oh, okay. Um, 
online yeah. or using Google Docs. But something that I started this year that I'm really excited about for next year is that I've started keeping more things on Google mm-hmm. and just linking, linking, yeah. linking, linking. Linking's so you could definitely have a song list for first grade and have links to, oh, and here is an awesome um, Irish ensemble doing this song, and yeah. like a video, or here is a link to that blog post with that outlines everything I want to do here. Right, totally. Yeah. I know that's not groundbreaking for anyone but me. No, it's it's but worth mentioning. It's worth mentioning for us older folks. Let's in the crowd. use our technology now. <laughs> yeah. And um, you know, again, when you are taking your quota levels, you end up with these lovely big binders, and this is your folk song collection, or maybe they're electronic. If you're in a program that does them electronically, you're gonna have you know a retrieval of that's electronic where you can sort through your own songs by concept. Yeah. So when you're creating those concept plans, oh, I really need a new song to teach syncopa. Okay, I'm gonna filter out just the songs where the most difficult rhythmic element is syncopa, and now right. look at all these things I have in my collection. So um, if you don't have a folk song collection yet, there's a few folk song, you know, books that we can shout out. 150 American folk songs to sing and play. Mm-hmm. The Air Day collection is a common one. Yep, and the 155 the Sail Away. The 155 Sail Away. Yep. Um, anything in the First We Sing series with Susan Brumfield is mm-hmm. an excellent resource. Yes. Um, now, during this gathering folk song, you can spend, oh, well, and people have, you can spend a lifetime totally gathering folk songs. Yes. And then if you're expected to teach on top of that, you might get overwhelmed. Totally. Don't freak out. Yeah. If just this maybe is something... start with a couple for each concept or one or two right. new songs for so each concept. So if you don't have any Kodai training at this point, but you want to start like building a library for yourself, mm-hmm. just exactly. Just take some a couple of things um, and put it in a document like, okay, here's a song title of a song that I know will work well for this melodic concept. Yeah. And how do I know? Because I saw it on Holy Names. Exactly. I was or because say, if you don't want to spend a bunch of money on books, go to Holy Names go and to start Holy with Names. that. And there's also <laughs> that also, uh, that Kodai song uh, hub. I'll have to link oh, it. Oh, you know that's what I'm talking right. About? Yeah. yeah. That's a, a newer yeah. resource. Yeah, definitely. We'll link to that one, mm-hmm. too. So, yeah, definitely... Use your free online resources. You can spend a lot of time and money, I speak from experience, <laughs> yes. collecting all the song collections. Yes, yes. yes. I feel like this is something you're going to do all at once. So, gathering materials. That was step three. Now we're going on to step four. So, now we are creating those yearly plans. And this is something that you're going to do then for each grade level. And this is really... I should say kind of all the steps so far are kind of the steps that once I do them, they're pretty well set. That doesn't mean I don't go back and revisit and, like you said, change my concept right. plans and things. So but before, when you when we said something about create the overall curriculum, yeah. that was like a um, outline. Right. When we say create yearly plans, this is where you're going to get more detailed. This is where I'm going to get more detailed and I'm going to break it down. So in my yearly plan, and we, we can link, I can share one of mine as an example. Um, I It's in a just an Excel or a spreadsheet document. And I go down and I put every week. It's week by week. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of have these boxes or these bands that show when I'm preparing 
when I plan on presenting and when I plan on practicing. Yep. Now, all of this to say, now this is where things get fluid, right? Yes. Because I can say in August, oh, I plan on doing this and this and this at this certain time, mm-hmm. but holy cow, things change. And yes. so this document does change. This isn't a set it and forget it. Right. I, I revisit it two or three times. I have a big reset over winter break where I go, okay, here's what I really got to, and here's what yes. I really think I can still get to, still might not get to everything, and that's where at the end of the year, then you say, well, hey, I didn't get to Ray in second grade, so next year right. I'm going to put it in third. And and this is where I'd like to, I, I know that in our podcast, we don't do a lot of um, pumping you up as a music teacher with, <laughs> with like, you can do it, you're awesome, but I want to just put a little, you know, I don't know, thing in there saying, please don't beat yourself up oh, gosh. for not Never. adhering exactly to something that you created I never early. Do. I don't either. And you know, honestly, you shouldn't. I mean... No, because <laughs> you need to be... I often joke that I'm not a type A personality, that I'm more of a type A minus. Yeah. And I say this because once upon a time, um, I was very type A. And the problem with that is that when you're really attached to things going a certain way and they don't, then you can get really freaked out oh, about it totally. and make yourself miserable. Yeah. So um, being an A minus really suits me well because I got the structure there. Yeah. But when you know we have a snow day or two snow days in a row or everything has to stop because there's a field trip that I didn't know about, like the world can keep turning and I can make adjustments totally. and I can feel okay because you want to be able to teach the students that are specifically coming to you yes if you were teaching a bunch of stuffies in a room like when you were nine years old and you just roll on your own agenda and they're not gonna change it right yeah but in the real world no, things happen good teaching whether it's kodai inspired or not you are responding to what's happening in front of you you're right. constantly doing those formative assessments and right. you're seeing where are they do they need more time with this am i ready to move ahead you know and it's a judgment call as far as yeah, you might have a couple kids in the room who are struggling, but if the vast right. majority are there and the, I can catch the rest up with some supports and some differentiation, exactly. we can move on. You can't be too stringent. I, I remember in my Kodai levels, one of my Kodai uh, instructors was, well, when 85% of the students understand this, this, and this, you can go on. Yeah. And you can present the thing. Yeah. Right. Well, Okay. Let's just take that with a, I mean, that's a, that's a, just a guesstimation. Right. You can't like have an assessment and say, oh, it looks like I've got 79% of my class. You know, you can't be really strict and stringent about it. You also have to allow for teachable moments. And when we talk about the nitty gritty of lesson planning of like specific, just one shot lessons, we'll talk about allowing for those, that organic learning that is going to happen. Totally. It's that when they're ready, they will say, well, wait a minute, what about this? And then you need to be able to run with that. Right. Right. But again, the point of the yearly plan is to really plot out. And this is where you're going to see, and in my example, you'll see this, where things overlap. So I might be practicing Tan Titi, but in the same week, in the same lesson, I'm also going to be doing some preparation of So and Me. Mm-hmm. And that might be with the same song material, or it might be with different song material. So some of the little pieces of my lesson were focusing on Tantiti and some of the other pieces in my lesson I'm focusing on so and me. Right. So and it's so, not like in one lesson I'm just doing one or no, the other. No. And a general tenant of 
a Kodai-inspired classroom is that you're preparing a melodic concept while you're practicing a rhythmic concept. Yes. Or, or vice versa. <laughs> you are. I'm sorry, what did I say? You are said you're, you're, prepping you're melodic. Prepping over, yeah. So prepping rhythmic. Prepping a rhythmic yeah. concept. You want to alternate between the two. And practicing a melodic concept. And if this language of prepping and practicing uh, does not, if you don't know what we're talking about, I, I should be directing you to another episode of ours that I don't have off the top of my head. But the whole idea of the PPP model, mm-hmm. the prepare the present, and the practice, I believe we covered in another episode. I mean, we've definitely alluded to it a lot. Yeah, yeah. So we we can't jump off the rails. Yeah, that's a whole other episode. That's a whole other thing. (laughs) But... Um, yeah, but just the idea is that in one lesson, you're, there's kind of two, probably two different foci, focuses, you know. Yes. Um, and also in these yearly plans, this is when you can also plan for when am I programs going to be and kind of chunk out. And you're sprinkling, sprinkling in that other learning. Exactly. Dynamics, yeah. timbre. Instruments all, of the you know. orchestra, which we did a whole series about we teaching did. all those And we also did a year. whole series about teaching the other stuff. Other stuff, yeah. yeah. Listening units, specific dance skills that you want to cover, um, instrumental things you want to do. Yeah. So all of that stuff is in um, each of my yearly plans. And there's one for each grade level. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So again, I mean, those are really all the things that ideally I try to make sure that I have done before the school year starts. Okay. And again, mm-hmm. not to say that you're not going back and revisiting. So it's not right now is January. Exactly. So that's what I was going to say. Right. What do you do? It's not like you're going to say, oh, You're not going to be like, it. I got to take off the next week of school <laughs> to sit down oh. and do these plans. No, so you if can't. you are wanting to start to incorporate some of these long range planning techniques, but it's totally new for you, I mean, mm-hmm. my suggestion would be pick one grade pick one grade and maybe even pick one concept and really mm-hmm. just kind of see how it goes from there and then this summer go get some code training. training and <laughs> sit down and start to do the rest okay so now i mean for me this kind of gets into then the nitty-gritty of what i'm doing each week to prepare or yes. even each night or sunday evening for me is often a good time for this mm-hmm. so at this point this is when you actually are planning out your real lessons and something that i do because i'm on this wacky three-day rotation where you know the class i see on monday then i'll see again on thursday then i'll see again on tuesday i know a lot of teachers have rotations like that is it helps me to kind of do a a printout of like my month and each day and who I'm seeing each day and then I just number my lessons so I use a pencil for this Uh I actually print it and this is like one of the things that I actually do print and Uh write on with pencil um, because then whoops that class went on a field trip and I didn't see them so I have to shift that lesson to the next time I see yeah and that can get to be a real bear yeah to, to Keep track so of. I try to kind of number out my lessons for the month, but then yeah, it does. There's a lot now, of now. I have a question. Do you number? I number within the school year. I do, but I start over at the trimester. Oh, um, and okay. Part of that is because of how often I see my kids. The so we're like on getting, lesson thirty-five, right? In my world, right? So for me, because I see my older kids for an hour once a week or th- every sorry once every three days and I see my younger students for a half hour two times every three days oh, yeah. <laughs> the numbers get really wacky because then for the older kids they're lower and the younger kids they're way higher. so it makes a lot so of sense. I like to yeah. restart at the trimester otherwise I'm going to end up with like less than 140 and something. that is a perfect example of how you've got to make 
your system fit exactly. your situation. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, this all depends on you. Maybe you are a planner person and you get some of those pretty planners that I see a lot of people using. I'm not a pretty planner person. I just print something and then I just write on I it. I know, I do and too. put it in a binder. I keep wanting to do the pretty planner stuff, but the thing that, I, I don't know. I, There's nothing wrong with it. I, if it works for you, I listener, I love you do seeing your thing. those pictures of the awesome things. Yeah. Honestly, I know me. And my procrastination style. And if I sat down with a rainbow selection of pens to do all of the planning, I would be spending more time picking out stickers and drawing little flowers all over the place than I would, like, (laughs) thinking about the plans. And I can't. And for me, this planner piece is literally just charting out when are these lessons going to happen. And it needs to be something erasable. It's not something... That needs to be pretty. I mean, right. it's just for me. So. Um, this might be a place that I can mention that um, I, in my in one of my levels, one of the one of my Kodai instructors, brought up the idea of a six week plan mm-hmm. instead of a long range plan that covered the year to be attached to. Where she's like, I revisit everything every six weeks. Okay. Right. So that's the same as the trimester. Idea. Right. Yeah. If you're on quarters or mm-hmm. trimesters, you might. And then I have to then. say, this year because I'm at two different schools, um, my planning has taken a turn. It looks like nothing I've ever done before. Oh well, yeah. Because I am mostly looking at a three week. Right, because you're doing like one week on, two weeks off yes. with your kids, where you yes. see them the whole week. But at one of my schools, I flip flop groups for two weeks. Okay. And then the other school, I see every class every day for one week. Right. Also, um, I have really started planning, almost not not completely. I'm still using a lot of the same materials, but my lessons for one school are very different right. from the other well, school yeah, because of experience at that, right. that you know, my homeschool kids have had. Also, I have 7th and 8th graders. Yeah. So that's a whole other chunk. Also, right. I have a multi-age 3-4. Now, at the beginning of the year, I thought that that was going to be like, oh, you know, I'll take the 3rd grade lesson and plug it in for the 3-4 at the other school. That wasn't working. No. Then I thought, okay, well, I'll take half of the 3rd grade. Yeah, right. Half of the 3rd grade lessons in general and half of the 4th grade lesson that I'm doing at my homeschool and just smash them together for like a hybrid Right. That doesn't really work either. Right. So I feel like that 3-4 class is a completely different... They are their own thing. They're their own thing. Wow. I'm, I'm using some of the same materials, but it doesn't look anything like it does with straight third grade or straight fourth grade. So I really feel like I'm doing nine curriculums. Right. Yeah, and if you are traveling between two schools, I'm sure I, I haven't had this experience, so I can't speak to it, but based on what I'm hearing, yeah, it's not like you can just plan a first grade lesson in one school and it's going to work the same in the, in the no. other school because it depends on, again, how long have you had them? How often do you see them? Right. Where are they at? What's yeah. the population like? Yeah, I will say my first graders at my mountain school, I'm kind of doing a hybrid, like, kindergarten curriculum with and first grade curriculum mm-hmm. because they did not have kindergarten music. Right. And the singing in tune issue yeah. is taking more time yeah. over at the mountain school because they don't they didn't have that experience. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So all that to say it's so much work. <laughs> and now I feel like overwhelmed and no, um, I know yeah. it can be please don't shut us don't off and out. be upset. No. Um yeah. just keep going through the steps. <laughs> So step five then is creating that that planner or that chart of when you're going to teach what lesson and what kids is really what that is. Mm -hmm. And then step six is finally, for me, where you get to sit down and, and write those lesson plans. Now, 
as overwhelming as that sounds, when I sit down and I actually write lesson plans, it goes so much quicker now that I have those yearly plans and then those concept plans and those song lists and that activity bank to just pull from and write my plans. I'm not sitting down here going, oh my gosh, I don't even know where to start. So if I'm, and you know, we'll talk more about this next podcast too because we're going to kind of continue this topic but you know if I'm planning you know a first grade lesson and it's the week of January 6th then I look at my yearly plan and my yearly plan's telling me oh right now I am practicing ta and titi and I'm preparing so and me so Uh then I open up my ta and titi concept plan and I open up my so and me concept plan and that's where I go exactly to start pulling those activities and you look what you've been doing in the past like oh they know seesaw really well and now we can do this part this activity with seesaw right right so um what i have here and and tanya can add to is just kind of some tips um of just how these are so similar to my tips that i lesson plan yeah that i give out so first point when you're writing lesson plan always remember this is our little hamilton shout out talk less sing sing more more. sing and play more yes so i mean you don't want to have this sage on stage experience where you're up there lecturing you want active music making experiences as much as possible another way i like to say it is sing for the children not with the children yeah and not talk at the children uh-huh. even more importantly as much as you can they need to be engaged in what's going on and if that means that you pause and have them do a turn and talk more often than you're comfortable with mm-hmm. because they're getting restless then you do that yeah to make sure they haven't tuned you out yeah um but you want them making music and actively music making, and I know we've talked about the uh, student teacher experience of the stopwatch and the yeah. you know how what percentage of time are you are the kids talking. spending making music versus you talking to yes. them? So that's to say, like you of course have to model because it's that gradual release model of I do, we do, you do. So you have to model what it is if you're introducing a brand new song that you want them to do, mm-hmm. especially if you're teaching by rote. And in elementary school, you often are. Not a bad thing. There's lots of different ways to teach by rote. Right. That's how you get the music in them initially. Yeah. Um, and then as soon as possible, you want to step out and yep. you want them to Let take them the song, take, over. take ownership. It's a good thing when a kid says to me, oh, yeah, Miss Lejeune, you're here. You know, like when yes. they've been singing and playing a game or doing a dance and they don't even notice they, that yeah. I'm just I'm just standing I'm in the background. There, sipping my coffee. It's a lovely <laughs> way to teach. Yeah. Um, yeah, so whether that's them doing singing, singing game, um, instrumental experience, dancing with recorded music, I mean anything. Mm-hmm. You just want the bulk of the time to really be active music. They should be working harder than you totally, in a lesson. Totally. You should be working really hard preparing for all that's of That's what it is. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Yes. All right. And the next point is um, just a good reminder about lesson segments. So these are like the little chunks of your lesson that you're doing a particular task. You really want to never exceed the age of the child as yeah. far as minutes That's a go. very good guideline. So, yeah, I mean, and I break this rule all the time depending on what it is. So, for example, in first grade, if you think the average first grader is six years old, 
um, you want your lesson plans to be six minutes or less. Right. Now, I say I break this rule all the time because just this last week when we were practicing Ta and Titi, I had them read an unknown new song for them, which is Bobby Shafto. Mm-hmm. And then I taught them there's like a little set dance singing game that yes. I learned um, from my level one teacher, Joe Kirk. And it was their first time being in a set and there was a lot of new things. So that took longer than six right. minutes. We probably were about ten minutes by the time we went through the whole thing. Right. But then we were on to the next thing. I mean, I did not spend my entire 30-minute class on just that one no. song. And like you were saying, you got to read the room. Yeah. Read the room. Yeah. And if, if they are, like, needing it. A lot of these songs that we do have some momentum mm-hmm. that, like, I, I think of, here comes Mrs. Macaroni riding it on her. And I know I've said this, probably about this very song, <laughs> that you want that momentum to build. Mm-hmm. So you can't be checking your watch or your timer on your phone and go, oh, and wait a minute, we've been going for six minutes yeah, and 23 of seconds. Course. Everything stops. You have to read the room. Yeah. And if we're really jiving and we're really being musical and they're enjoying what's going on or they've someone's asked a question that leads to some um, awesome in the moment, you know, spontaneous going further with that thing, um, then you do that. Totally. Yeah. But I think the important, you know, thing to remember, and I think this is what really maybe sets apart Kodai-inspired teaching is that, again, you're not just doing the same song for the entire lesson. uh -uh. Um, And I think in my early music education experiences, I didn't quite get that. And I thought, oh, if I'm just focusing... You didn't get that message or you didn't... I didn't get that idea until I took Kodai training, to be honest. Um, That, oh, well, in this first grade example, we're going to read Bobby Shafto. Then we're going to do the dance for Bobby Shafto. Now we're going to sit and we're going to add instruments to Bobby Shafto. In my training, in my undergrad training... You were told to do I was, yeah, I was directed that you take this one song Uh and and you, you know, play it for all it's worth. Yeah. And... I in my first couple of years of teaching, I was doing that exactly. model. Yeah. Here's the thing: what if a, a, a student or a handful of students doesn't like that song? Yeah, then they're sunk. They're right. like they tune well, out. And again, it's just the natural attention span of where kids are. Mm-hmm. So that's not to say that I can't. After we've done Bobby Shafto, now we're gonna sit. We're gonna do an instrumental experience where we're still practicing Tan Titi, but just with a different song. Right. So that especially feels when like these songs reason. are like twenty seconds long. Exactly, and you're singing the same thing over and over. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, use different songs to do all these different activities rather right. than just one song to do the same. And activity. can I speak a bit? I know we've said everything I'm saying today. I feel like we said before, but you know, it's in it's, a different context. Yeah. Like, please don't do songs that you don't like. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Because and this one, I think, took me a while to understand, This is too. another reason why <laughs> the Kodai methodology and philosophy philosophy spoke to me yeah. is because I was so sick of myself. After my first year of teaching, I was sick of hearing my voice yeah. doing these songs and chants that I didn't like. Right. And then I saw Jill Trinka at a conference, and I was like, oh, my goodness, what what she taken? What is this I need that. That's the secret sauce. Right your, there. Yeah, that's the stuff I want because yes. honestly, the songs that I use in my classroom are songs that I can hear six hundred times, and that's good because I'm gonna totally. hear them six hundred times. 
Um, so yeah, if there's a song in your concept plan that you're like, I don't like this one, don't do it. Yeah, that's me and seesaw. Like I'm just I'm tired of seesaw, so I'm not doing it right no now. No seesaw. No seesaw. There's not... other things I can use to do so and me or high and low or whatever. Right. You know what I mean? So there's just there's tons of stuff. Didn't you there. say snail snail too? I didn't want to do snail snail, and then I brought it back because I just love the puppet so much. I know. I'd be sad not to use the puppet. Uh, well, so. she no, can do other it's things. It's fine. It's fine. She, there's that. Uh, <laughs> Um, the um, Irish or Scottish, you know, snail snail in one of Susan Brumfield's book. Oh, that's right. Yeah, no. but it's not so in me, so Whatever. I don't know. No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm okay with snail snail, but seesaw is out. <laughs> okay. All right, so um, next point, always strive for a balance of concentration and relaxation. And, you know, you can get really deep into different levels of concentration. Oh, sure. It's really just about what are you asking them to do. Tanya's favorite phrase is... Tax them and relax them. Tax them and relax them. And just keep it joyful and active. If, if you're doing too many challenging cognitive things back to back to back to back without that kind of fun moment in between, it's going to start to feel a little drilling. And they will let you know. Oh. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah. So and that's relaxing where... is not like everyone lie on the floor. No. I mean, singing games, yes. dances, so a even relaxation. instrumental experiences yeah. that aren't too taxing. A relaxation activity could be a folk dance that they already know, exactly. that they're not learning. Exactly. It could be um, reading a book. Yeah. It could be them doing something very easy on the instruments that they've already done. Exactly. Something where they're not having to like really go, okay, what am I doing? How am I doing it? Because, yeah. again, it ties back to their attention span and their ability to focus. Yeah, totally. Um, using transitions between your activities to help things feel seamless. However, however, <laughs> don't focus too much on the transitions. Have we done a whole episode on transitions? I don't know. Maybe I, I know time. we haven't. It's, it's, it's such a big thing. And I mean, yeah, I, I totally agree. It, it makes music teaching beautiful. It creates this beautiful experience for the kids. But a huge however yes. is that transitions are not the focus it's of your not lesson. the end all be all. And, and this I want to say. I said to my student teacher. Very, yeah, when you are sitting certainly. there writing out a lesson and you find that you are focusing so much on your transitions that it's driving your lesson planning, that's when you got to take a step stop. back. <laughs> your transitions should serve the lesson, not the other way around. Yeah. You're not putting things in an order to make the transitions flow. No. No. And the transitions are yeah. not the meat of your lesson. And you can still, I know, no one's going to like this. You can still have an awesome lesson that doesn't have awesome transli- transitions <gasps> all the way through. What? I don't always have an awesome transition. I don't Sometimes either. it's just, all right, let's go back to our seats. I mean, there, there's just, especially with older kids, there's just, there's a time and a place. But then and you could say, well, this is a transition. It's just not one of those heavy-duty, melodic or rhythmic. Oh, no. Uh, my often go-to easy transition will be sing this song all the way back to your seat. Exactly. Sit down on the very last word. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I was The yeah, tricky about thing about say. that is sometimes depending on how well they know the song, they don't do it very well. Right. And they don't do true. it at all. Sometimes it's hard to walk and clap and sing if you don't know the song well enough. Or even if you time. do, depending on the yeah. thing. Yeah. So yeah, just, just move on with transitions. The transitions are lovely and they can really cut down on um, behavior, behavior issues. issues. Totally. But it's not a hill I'm going to die on. No, it's not. not it is not the most important thing about Kodai inspired teaching. Yeah, yeah. 
All right, this next one is going to make administrators happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, again, I was I was preparing this for my student teacher. Um, every lesson should have at least one visible assessment, either formative or summative. And what I mean by that is not even necessarily something I'm going to write down a grade. But the big question always is, how do you know they're getting it? And more so, how do you know individual students are getting it? Mm-hmm. And that's where it gets tricky, right? We can kind of take a snapshot. We could say, oh, yeah, they're totally getting it. But I've caught myself in sometimes thinking that and then realizing oh no it's really just my ringers who are getting it mm-hmm. and, and I assume everyone so try to find those moments where they can close their eyes and raise their hand when they hear the highest sound exactly. or um, I mean it could be a quick little sticky note thing a little ticket out the door kind and of thing something I think is really helpful for, for this is if you're doing something in a group where you're leading them but you're also scanning the room to see who's got the rhythm of the words exactly. for example then um, it's great to step away and have a student come in front of the class, hold up the sign that says rhythm or beat so that you can really scan the room. Totally. And you can even get right up next to kids and go, oh, uh, she's she's getting it. Yeah. He's, he's not getting it or whatever. And it might be something that you put in your grade book. I mean, shout out to our favorite grade booking app, Idocio or yep. Idokio. I still don't say it right. Yeah. Idokio. Idokio. Where you can so. just go through and quick zip boom bam right there on the seating chart, put little, you know, and it can be icons. It could be a yes or no. It mm-hmm. could be a smiley face or not. Maybe you write things down on a, you know, dry erase sheet and mm-hmm. whatever. And um, there are people who do it on seating charts yeah, by hand. Totally. I'm a big fan, especially in kindergarten and first grade. For in tune singing, I use icons. I use a plus for uh-huh. singing in tune, a flat sign, they're flat, <laughs> a sharp sign, they're sharp, and then a X, they're not singing. Yeah. They're using a talking voice. Um, and That's I also awesome. use like a, a frowny face if they're like not doing any of it. Yeah, totally. Which I rarely have yeah. at this point of the year, but yeah. you know. So just always kind of ask that question, how do I know that they're getting it? And you might have two learning targets, because again, if you're doing this idea of prepping one thing and practicing another, well, maybe okay. you have two separate you got to know your administrator. Yeah. Because um, my administration at one of my buildings would not be a fan of that. No, exactly. I would get called out on that. Yeah. So, and then, you know, that is, but I'm saying you just for the assessment point of view, you might have to, even if it's not your posted learning target. Right. Okay. We're talking about posting and we'll, right, and we'll right. get to that. Which like, that's kind of another little thing. For all to uh, see. But really, yes. I mean, your assessment oftentimes becomes your learning target or at yes. least one learning target. We'll so. get to that. Yeah. We're not really on that, um, right? Okay. Tip about technology, you know, technology, we always want to make sure we're, we're having these 21st century learning activities, but my tip is always that the technology should enhance the activity, and it should be an activity that could easily be done without the technology. Yes. Um, Active music making should take precedence in exactly. not just a code I inspired. I, In my opinion, in the elementary music class, active music making should be predominant yeah yeah so if there's a worksheet i can easily put on seesaw and it doesn't take away the time or take away from the value of the worksheet for example yeah sure i'll have the kids do it on seesaw because first of all i don't have to make all those copies yeah and second of all it can be more engaging i say it can be because there's some kids who honestly prefer worksheets to ipads i've I've noticed noticed that too but it depends on the worksheet if it's something where they're doing something on staff work like writing on the staff Oh, no, we are not doing that on an iPad because yes. that's too fine motor. So, well, and I know several 
Kodai master teachers who say there should be a physical writing activity every single lesson. Yeah. I don't. I don't always get to get that. to that. That's I can't, hard because of especially I've got very large classes this year. Yeah. And as I relearned, I'm always relearning things. This past week, if I'm gonna get out like markers and dry erase boards and all that stuff, and I've and I've streamlined the process because I have classroom assistants and all that. Sure. It still is going to take up such a big chunk of time. Yeah. That um, I can't do it every single class time. And one thing I don't have it on the on the dots here on our bullet points, but maybe we'll say is you know, that's not to say that you can't strive to have in every lesson a chance where somebody does something by themselves. Uh-huh. We've talked that about that before. Oh yes. So it could be doing a solo singing. It could be working with manipulatives. It could be a worksheet. It could be leading the group in the, something. Now that is a rule that I adhere to. Yeah. And I always shout out to Julie Julie Swank. That's right. Julie because Swank once upon that. a time and. I don't know when it was, at a Rocky, um, a Colorado Kodai chapter workshop. Um, I, I've, I've seen Julie a couple of times now, but one thing that she said was that there were three rules in her classroom that had to happen every day. Yes. We will sing. Yes. We will connect hands. Yes. Right? That's where I got that language from. Was yes. From and language. someone will do something solo. Yes. Whether it's like you're our beat keeper or you're going to sing the solo in this singing game or, you know, you're going to lead us uh, where someone will have some personal accountability, even yeah. if it's just one kid. Exactly. And if you have a smart board, mm-hmm. right, there, that's, that opens up a world of still including writing things or whatever, yeah. but it's not going to be every single kid. Right. Right. So back to the point about technology then is that the point is I, I don't do technology for technology's sake. No. Now, there are times where, yes, maybe they – I give them a little time just to explore on Chrome Music Lab yes. or explore on this program soundtrack that we now have a subscription to in our district that's kind of like GarageBand. Yeah, I gotta and, learn how to you use know, that. But, you know, these sometimes I feel like we get bogged down as music educators, and I say the collective we, I'm including myself in that, where um, I'm spending too much time on those things and then we're losing the meat of what we should be doing. So if the technology enhances what we're already doing, great but if it distracts or takes away from too much mm-hmm. i'm not gonna do it and i found myself in that situation before where i'm like oh wow yeah it needs to be purposeful yeah the we've been doing a lot of tech purposeful. but not a lot of singing and making music exactly and then the finally point final point is when you're lesson planning just put yourself in the mind of the kid be playful and have fun with them um remember older kids love competition younger kids love imagination yes. but it can go both ways i have had older kids who love to act out silly little things and little kids who love competition but just be careful too much competition with little ones can lead to tears yes um, and too much um uh Imagination and playful can lead to a lot of eye rolling. Exactly. And you're that music teacher with the puppet from South Park. Exactly. You don't which want is to really go what I embody is the music <laughs> the teacher. South Park. That's hilarious. <laughs> Um, yeah, so true. But just, you know, just make, strive to make those music classes joyful and playful. We want our classes to feel different than the classroom. I mean, and that's not to say that our, our subject matters any less. It's obviously not. Mm-hmm. But I mean, when my kids walk in the door, I mean, it sounds a little cheesy and goofball but I want them to feel like it's kind of this little magical moment in I, their day. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's like, they can just come and be playful and have fun and be kids and not worry about all the other 
stuff that's, and I've said this to my older kids too, I want this room to feel like a safe space where you can just come in and be yourself Mm -hmm. and relax a little bit and not feel all the stress that you're feeling other places. Right. And that doesn't mean I'm not holding them to high expectations, but I'm doing it in a way that feels more, perhaps more joyful or playful than the classroom. Exactly. Yes. So. So that's the gist of it all. Woo. That's um, a lot. Well, we do need to do some oh, lip service to, to the learning targets. I'm your, sorry. Yes, we have a seven. couple more steps here. Okay. Can so. I can we talk caveats about this? Yes. Okay. So talking about learning targets and what you need to post visually to uh, in your classroom. Yeah. This is something I will be honest. And if you're an administrator listening, just keep listening because we got reasons. This is honestly something that I was hoping would go away by now by now because in most predominant music education philosophies for elementary music the act of discovery from the student's perspective is so very valuable yes the act of the kid going "Ooh, i felt a piece of silence right that is very valuable and to stand up in front of a group of students and say boys and girls Today we are learning about a quarter rest does not teach them and it is longer lasting and more valuable to the learner when they discover it on their own. And the whole Kodai philosophy (laughs) is built upon the students coming to that learning on their own and not being told this is what you are learning. So that is why I am saying, I and I have read the books. I've got the books uh-huh. about the learning targets and why and all the Marzano stuff. Um, I know why it's a thing. Yeah. I, it doesn't it jive with my philosophy. I have also learned that you pick your battles. Uh-huh. And where in the past, as a younger teacher... I would sit down with an administrator and I would like spew my philosophy and like, this is why blah, 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 blah. Um, A lot of times that principal, you know, they've got higher up expectations. And some some principals will say, you do you. I trust you. You're Mm -hmm. the music education expert. Some principals will say, um, well, you are in this district and you're in this school and this is how we do it. Right. So know your administration. Uh-huh. If you think it's worth doing to have a sit down and go, listen, this I got to be I'm me. Gonna, yeah. yeah. Or if you are someone who knows, hey, this is something that I just got to go along to get along. Yeah. Um, you can post learning targets and success criteria in a way that doesn't dis- doesn't interfere with the discovery of the, the student's discovery of what you are teaching. Right. But I will say, and I don't care who's listening as far as anybody who observes me, that yes, when an administrator walks in the room, you're going to hear more lip service from me towards oh, the learning totally. target and success criteria totally. than if they're not in the room. Oh, I think any teacher in any subject area would say the same thing. Really? I think so. And maybe, yeah, I mean, maybe more so for us as music teachers, especially Kodai-inspired music teachers, because we're doing this whole discovery thing that might not happen in the classroom in the same way. But, yeah, I think we all play the game. And I think it's okay to say that there we do a little bit play the game. Right. Um, so, I spoke my piece, and until it goes away, I think I'm just going along to get yeah, along. Exactly. I mean, and one compromise then for me is, and I've had this conversation with principals too, is, you know, I, I will have something posted and I will refer to it when it comes up. Uh-huh. I'm not going to welcome my students to the classroom by saying, 
hello, children. Today we're going to. The first thing we're going to do when kids walk in the classroom is sing. Exactly. And experience music. Yes. And when we get to the thing, I'm going to call their attention to it in some way right. and make sure that they're aware that this is what we're focusing on. Yes. Um, and then another also great way to think about it as far as the compromising, you know, between not eliminating the discovery is if you are doing a lesson where you're preparing something and practicing something most of the time mm -hmm. my lesson target or whatever is going to be based on what we're practicing yes because they already have they that terminology it, they right. got it occasionally if it just doesn't feel right if the lesson is really heavy on the prep and i'm not mm -hmm. doing much practice i might do it on the prep especially. i do that a lot more lately yeah and where... especially as we're getting close to presenting where they know it really yeah well. and then and that at that point, I call it by its name that we're using. Exactly. Like, so the high sound. The high unquote, sound. Or, or the, the middle sound. Or the piece of silence. Yeah, exactly. Right? And I'll put those things in quotes, mm -hmm. you know, just to kind of, or bold it or something. Or moving like a turtle or moving like a rabbit. Exactly. Like, so they start to look a little silly sometimes. They, I think they look a little silly. That's and I, okay. But I'm again, often embarrassed when I put them on. Yeah. But then I'm like, well... <laughs> So yeah. if someone walks in the room, this is what they'll be doing. happy. Yeah, yeah. And again, I'm not gonna refer to it unnaturally. I'm only gonna refer to it as it's there. Yes. So you know, know your. I mean, this is obviously very specific to your own school situation. But if you've struggled with learning targets, maybe just find that compromise. Right. And, and really know your building and know the exactly. expectations. And maybe you have some resources in your building that can help you craft those better uh -huh. to make sure that you are doing what the higher-ups want you to do. Like exactly. We have instructional coaches in our building, yeah. and that would be a go-to, you know, if you want to make sure. Um, in my school, my home school, we are expected to post a learning target, and the language for our learning targets is, I can blah, 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 blah. I, like, I can read a rhythm with pieces of silence. Mm -hmm. Um, but we also have to post our success criteria. So after that, what follows is, I am successful when I can. Mm -hmm. And that's more a more specific the thing they're going to task. Mm -hmm. And it's often tied to an assessment. Right. Right. Yeah. I know I am successful when I can keep a beat while singing such and such song. Yeah. You know, and that, that makes sense. That doesn't that was whatever the, the yeah. thing is that you're using as your assessment. Exactly. Formative or summative. Right. My my school, they've they've we've done a one word or a one sentence thing where we combine those two things. So I will learn blah 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 blah. That's your concept. By blah 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 blah. That's your skill and your assessment. Oh. Okay. So I will learn about rhythms with ticka ticka by writing a four beat rhythm with ticka ticka. Oh, and whenever you can, this is like where. Any kind of um, diagram or picture that you have of the Bloom's levels of yeah. understanding where you want to use and pull out those verbs right. that are higher level thinking, yeah. depending on how, if you're practicing an, a concept and you are writing your learning target to, you know, that specific. So just now you said ticka ticka. Yeah. Yeah. So I would make sure I put the word I, um, for the success criteria part, I will do this by, or I am successful by creating. Yeah. Well, uh, that's a difference. Yeah. yeah. Are they writing dictation or are mm -hmm. they creating their own? Right. Yeah. And I get specific. So, like too. a word like recognize yes. is a lower level of thinking exactly. than create. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. 
Um, all right, so that's our little lip service to learning targets. They're not going away. And, you know, they're not all bad. I mean, I definitely, I understand, I understand the intention. It's helped me in the planning stage. Mm -hmm. What I disagree with is the dog and pony show, you know, of having to read it. But, all right. So then the last step, this is, this is just the fun part then, is gathering up all those materials. Get your crap together. Yeah, so your, your, (laughs) your smart board files. Your, your manipulatives, your worksheets, you know, obviously there's lots of great resources out there on Teachers Bay Teachers or whatever, or make your own. And then just have everything ready to go before the kids walk in the door. I know it seems silly to say, but have everything ready to go. I Having speak, little boxes yes. where you can put things in for each grade level. I speak from experience because as long as I've been teaching, <laughs> I have had those days oh, and yeah. I've repeated those days where I'm like, I know where that stuff is. I'll just grab it when yeah. I need to. I don't yeah. want to junk up the floor right now. And then I'm like, huh, the popsicle sticks are in here. Yeah. Okay, kids, t- talk among yourself yeah. while they go Keep burrowing through my stuff. No, it's like, it. that's very challenging yeah. to do. And then the last, you know, part of that step of making sure you have everything ready is making sure you're ready to teach and that if it's a song you don't know as well, if it's new to you, oh, you better take look at the time it. to mm-hmm. memorize it. You know, have it out for a quick reference, but you just can't be that teacher that's buried in your song or buried in your lesson yes. plan sheet. And then know the order of your lesson really well. And if you're someone who struggles with that, some tips that we've talked about before is, you know, creating a big, like, poster or a giant sticky note kind of thing where you can stick on the wall that kind of just gives a quick snapshot of, first, I'm going to do this song, and then I'm going to do this song, and I'm going to do this And activity. you know what? You might be doing that anyway for some of your students. Yeah. Because some students, written in their learning plan... Is having a visual Is having schedule. that agenda written yeah, up. Agenda. And so yeah. some kids really thrive on that. Totally. Even to the point that I have a few students... Um, like in kindergarten, where we have like a little magnetic marker guy that's uh-huh. right next to the list. Oh. And then I'm like, oh, you know, Moving on Jason, why don't you go and move our little marker guy? Because now we're using our rhythm sticks, that's right? That's cool. So do you do that with every grade, every class? You know what? I don't. You've gotten really I do it with... Depends. And there's some classes that maybe we truly need it and some that don't. Mm-hmm. You could maybe know the class. When I know I have kids who need to know what's coming next because it's written in their 504 or something, then I do it. That makes sense. But I, again, I think that having an agenda laid out that you show the students is goes against the Kodai philosophy. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to take away that discovery and that mm-hmm. transition moment where exactly. all of a sudden you've transitioned to a new thing or you have a mystery song. Yes. I guess on the t- agenda you can write mystery songs. Yes. Um, you anyways, can do it in a way where it do doesn't it. Go Or, against... again, it could just be a small thing, like just even on a sticky note that you stick on your lanyard, on your badge, and you just quick peek at it while you're teaching. Right. Well, I used to print out my, my lesson plan sketch. Yeah. Like just the... The high points of this song, this chant, moving to instruments, like, and put it on a music stand. Totally. Print it out so I could just glance at it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's okay, but the point is glance. You don't want to be having that lesson plan in front of you and having your nose buried in it the whole time. Right, and I've had the experience when you talk about knowing your songs. I have thought, oh, I know this song, and then you get in front of kids yeah and you start to sing it and you're like oh my gosh I don't know those words just I mean Monday coming back from break you know it's a hard day but I completely screwed up a game um it was a passing game I was doing peg like the pirate and we were passing the gold but I totally screwed them up and I put them more in a position to play like a quakwa the hand clapping game and uh-huh. we got totally screwed up and here was my student teacher observing me and yeah. I was like well there you go there's an example of me thinking that I had it in my head that I know this game well and obviously I needed to revisit it for myself but whatever whatever yes 
Okay, okay. so in I just want to mention then, this was a lot, obviously, a lot of steps, and you might be wanting some more specific examples. So just FYI, in our next episode... We're going to go there. We're going to go there. We're going to go through two specific lesson plans mm-hmm. and kind of talk that about... That we have done yes. in the past week. Yes. Um, real life lesson plans, and we'll go through the process of how we created it, what happened in real life, and then what we're going to do next with exactly. those Exactly. So we will talk about all Stay the specific tuned. elements. So now it's time for a work smarter, not harder teacher tip, and Tanya's going to share a nugget of gold genius today. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's not a good setup. Um, <laughs> especially consi- if you are uh, a younger teacher or more familiar with technology than I, you're probably already doing this. But maybe not. Um, I keep switching things around, but honestly, I'll ride things for a long time and know that they're not working before. You know, anyway. This year is the first year that I've really started utilizing Google Slides. Ah, uh, yeah. In not just my planning, but especially in my teaching. Yeah. All right. I love my smart board. Right. And I love Smart Notebook because I love that the kids can come and manipulate things. Sure. And I think that's extremely valuable. However, the software is glitchy. Yeah. And our district is not supporting it anymore. I know. I'm so sad. Because it's all subscription-based. Which, yeah. can I just say... Here in the 21st century, I hate all these subscription-based things. Right. It drives me crazy. Yes. Like, I have not upgraded my uh, Acrobat, Adobe Acrobat. Yeah. Because it's not like buy it once and you're good to go or until we have to. Do you have to pay a monthly? Yes. Or yes. a yearly fee? That's lame. I super don't like it. No. Anyway, so um, I still do use Smart Notebook. However, the, I can't with the glitchiness you know, for a lot of the, like, we're just looking and reading music. So I've been using Google Slides um, and just putting pretty much, like, a month's worth of stuff. Oh, wow. Like, within a Google Slide presentation. Holy cow. Well, it, it's, it's actually working. I mean, okay, I do have to click through some slides sometimes yeah. like before the class walks in to make sure I'm at this. But what's been good about it is that I can go back, like, in the moment, if the fourth grade were doing this song, oh, we kind of forgot the words, let's click back, and I give I have a visual up there. Yeah. So I'm using it to, you know, show any rhythms that we're reading or any of these things where we're just looking at it. Right. But also, I've been doing more videos, uh-huh. whether it's been that I'm linking to YouTube or I've been making a lot of videos of me starting the song. Right, you mentioned that Which before. has yeah. been, I can't even say what a lifesaver it's been cool to record myself ahead yeah, of time that's awesome. and have the virtual me like lead a song while I am I'm still greeting You're kids, greeting kids at as the they door. walk in the door and yeah. giving a hug or a high five or a handshake or a fist bump so while I'm doing that they're still doing active music making because I hope it's still I hope it doesn't get too um redundant for them but they will follow the Miss Lejeune on the screen. That's so fun. And they will sing with her. Yeah. And I can, like, after I've greeted everybody, I still have, like, 30 seconds to a minute of, like, okay, let's make sure that the stereos are, let's make sure yeah. these orphan instruments are set up. So it's been great. That's cool. It's kind of like having a student teacher for yeah. just a couple of minutes. That's awesome. So my Work Smarter, Not Harder is utilize Google Slides. Yeah. 
because you can insert videos, you can put links in there, you can do all these things that it's it's a lot smoother than the smart board, notebook, and having to toggle between a bunch of different things. Right, and you can just dump stuff in there, and then it's all ready to go. Plus, it's saved on the cloud, and me going between two different schools, oh, that's been yeah. such a lifesaver. That's huge. Cool. And now we are at our CODA section where we talk about something we've been enjoying professionally or personally in our lives because uh-huh. we're people beyond, you music know, teachers. being in the music classroom. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, good. Mine's personal. Though. Yeah. Tell us. Tell us what your personal. Well, Tanya's thing. already heard me say it, but I went and saw the movie Knives Out. Technically, it was over break. And uh-huh. it was really good. So you guys have heard me talk about, you know, my love of mystery stuff and crime stuff. And anyways, it was just a really good movie. If you haven't seen Knives I, Out, I really want to see it. Go see it. It's funny. It's clever. It's not gory in any way. You know, it's yeah. adult, but it's not, you know, gory. Um, it's just really clever. And it's just got a really great ensemble cast. Right. And, um, which I love that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, just everybody was fantastic in it. My husband and I had a date day. Well, we went on our anniversary, actually, and we went and saw, oh, fun. saw that. And, uh, yeah, it was just a super fun, super fun movie. So I'm just shouting out Knives Out. Knives Out. it was a good movie. Cool. I liked it. Awesome. How about you, Tanya? All right. Well, mine comes from just yesterday. Uh, honestly, I had a very low-key lie-around-the-house day yesterday. Yes, those are great. Yeah, it was interesting because I I didn't plan that, but I think just the exhaustion of the week was just like, I woke up that morning and I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. Right. No one can make me go anywhere today. (laughs) Not getting out of my slippers. Yeah, the rest of the family was feeling the same, so I was like, that means we're staying home, everybody. Well, who? Uh-huh. So, um... Is that your uh, recommendation? Staying home? Yeah, that is it. <laughs> Stay home. Don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. Yeah. Uh, no, my recommendation is a television show that maybe you've heard of. They've, there's only one episode, the pilot episode, out right now called Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Oh, I, I know. have I, seen a I saw thing some commercials, it. and I it made me kind of roll my eyes when I saw the commercials, because I was like, what is this, like, Glee Part 2? Right. I mean, not, not to say anything about Glee, but anyway... Yeah. Um, they've got my number. Oh, yeah. Okay. It, okay. If these things check your boxes, then it's all for you. So, um, it's got some inclusion of like some magical realism uh-huh. because the premise of the show is this, um, millennial age tech worker, uh, she, something happens where she's got a playlist in her head, kind of, well, people around her will break into song. Okay. Of their innermost feelings. Oh, okay. Okay, so you've got your song and dance numbers, yes. right? Yes. Most of it is like classic pop tunes yes. that I love. Yes. And so it's got that quirkiness yeah. where she's seen people break into song about their innermost fe- feelings and no one else has seen it. Got right? it. Right? Yes. Uh, yeah. So, so it's so, like mind reading but through song. Kind of like that. Yeah. So I'm, I've always been a fan of the. There was that Joan of Arcadia where once in a while God talks to her, and there okay. was like, um, there's been some other shows where it's like this supernatural element happens. Like, yeah. Only this person has the ability to 
you know, yeah. read minds, but, but just when people are eating cheeseburgers or something which weird. makes it even better. But the music aspect Fun. is like I'm what all channel is this on? How do you this watch is this? on NBC and okay. there's only the pilot episode that is out right now and they're not dropping the rest till February something. Interesting. Yeah. So this is one of those things where you'll either love it or it might just annoy you so much. Okay. But being that most of you are listening who are, are music teachers you're probably going to be into it. Cool, I'm going to check um, it out. Yeah. And kid-friendly, somewhat, if it's on yeah. NBC. I mean, that's just regular network Yeah, television. there was, um, it's kind of in line with, you know what, I was going to say The Good Place, but The Good Place goes a little far with its sexual innuendos. Yeah. This has not, I mean, just for this first okay. episode. So maybe like upper elementary could handle it? Yeah, well, my both of my kids. Yeah, I've got a fifth grader and a freshman. Right, they they loved it as well. Okay. There was nothing that made me like wince. Okay, as we watched it as a family. Cool. So and then there was familiar tunes. I mean, gosh, they do a whole Beatles tune. They do help. Oh, fun. And uh, so it's just a lot of fun. If you liked La La Land, if you liked all yes. of these things, and Zoe's extraordinary playlist is for you. Cool. We've reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Our show notes can be found at Teaching Music, Tanya's Kodai Aspiring blog. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just look for Music Teacher Coffee Talk. If you enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing and or rating and or leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. Next time, we will be giving you an inside look at a specific kindergarten lesson and a specific fourth grade lesson that we have recently taught. And so until next time, this is Tanya. And this is Carrie, wishing you happy musicking. <laughs>